This week we're talking about destroying the things that we love, and you're listening to the Landscape Photography Podcast. This is Nick Page, and as always, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I guess I kind of owe you guys an apology because it's been a little while since our last episode. But in another sense, I'm really kind of not sorry because I don't want to just put out shows to put out shows. I want to actually wait till I have some decent content to put out there. And I just got done teaching my wildflowers and waterfalls workshop, which we were going to talk about a little bit later. And for that reason, I just haven't been home to actually put out a show. I've been home, but I haven't been home long enough to put out a good show. So this week, hopefully I'll be delivering a good show rather than just content for the sake of content. Before we jump in, I want to let you know that all of my workshops are sold out with the exception of the trip to Ireland. So if you might be interested in going to Ireland and photographing abandoned castles, seascapes, and so much more, you can find all of my workshops and tutorials always over at nickpagephotography.com. Okay, so with that, let's buckle up and talk about destroying the things that we love. So there is something that Art Wolf once said that I think sums up exactly the premise behind this idea. He said that you can celebrate something to death, and that is so absolutely true. All you have to do is go to places like Yosemite or Yellowstone or any of the incredibly high-trafficked areas to see just the absolute hordes of humans that go there, and the place is really never the same. They put up fences, they put up boardwalks to keep you walking where you're supposed to walk, but still, your experience when you go to this place is not the same experience that you would have had 150 years ago. I don't know if outdoor travel in general is getting more popular. It sure seems like, you know, outdoor adventure is far more popular than it was, say, when I was growing up. Or if it's just because we have more humans. <laughs> more humans leads to more tourism and more visiting of these places. There's a lot of my favorite waterfalls that, for example, when I led my workshop this past week, we would go there and had a place where I used to be able to go there and be alone for an hour or two. We went there and there was quite a few people. There was probably at one point, including my workshop of eight people, there was probably 25 people to maybe to even 30 in these small, heavily secluded, way out of the way waterfalls. It's just crazy how much traffic increases over time at these places, especially once the word gets out about where they are. One of the sad things is that at this particular favorite waterfall of mine, this place that used to feel like it was just, you know, in the middle of the rainforest, a large number of the trees had been just burnt to a cinder because apparently somebody had hiked down there and maybe set a campfire or something like that. It is absolutely awful to see the place is devastated. You know, it will come back, but it's going to take a good solid 40, 50 years before that burn damage can't be seen anymore. It's going to take a long time. 
Not to mention that, but, you know, here in the Pacific Northwest where we have lots of moss and the very things that make a place incredibly beautiful, everything being moss covered, eventually that moss just gets trampled and walked on, destroyed. So the very reason that we're going there in the first place, we're going there and destroying it. And it is the terrible irony of being a photographer these days because a lot of that is our fault. It might not be the photographers that are setting the place on fire and killing the moss, but it is the photographers that are sending more and more traffic to these places because we post our photos online. We are dumb enough to say this is where it is and you should go there too. And guess what? Thousands of people will. So I want to kind of walk you through my evolution of you know, my mindset on this because I think my the evolution that I, I have had is probably going to be very similar to a lot of other people's out there. Even one year ago, I didn't think that it was a big deal at all for me to share the locations of the places that I took pictures at. You know, I've always been the type of person that I like to share and I like to, you know, I like to be the nice guy that shares all of his knowledge. So, you know, posting locations and sharing where locations are and helping people get there, that was you know, my way of thinking, well, I'm helping people. But the problem is now that I have a slightly larger following and, you know, I make YouTube videos that people watch, a lot of people are going to those locations. And now all of my favorite places that I've shared the locations to are getting really, really heavy traffic. I'm not arrogant enough to think that, you know, it's me that is driving all of these people. I'm just one of many that are driving people to these places. But because of that, I am part of what I consider to be the problem. By sharing the names and the locations of the places that I shoot, we're putting it out there into social media land. And there's just so many people out there now that are looking for a new place to go and visit and shoot. And because of the amount of humans out there, the easier it is to find directions to a place the more likely that that place is going to get a very unhealthy amount of traffic. And it's sad. So there's something called the leave no trace principles. And this is something for people that are hiking and camping and backpacking and just being in the outdoors in general. And there's a whole series of principles that have been in place for quite a while. But a new one that they, has been added is to not share the locations when you post photos online. And I used to kind of always roll my eyes at that until this past year where I've just seen traffic destroying some of my favorite places. And I know that it's not just happening to my favorite places, it's happening to a lot of places out there. For that reason, I have come around now to where I'm no longer going to be sharing the locations of the places that I shoot. I will still take my workshops there. And I will share that location to them because I don't feel that sharing a location with eight people has the same reach as posting a video on YouTube that gets, you know, 12,000 views or whatever and sharing the location there. Because in that case, I'm sharing it with 12,000 people as opposed to eight. And that was actually one of the criticisms that I got in my most recent YouTube videos that by taking a workshop of eight to places like this that that is bad for the area as well because of the word of mouth that will happen as a result. But most of my workshop clients are coming from completely different parts of the country and even other countries 
I don't feel that it's likely that any of those people will ever make it there again. So if I was leading a bunch of people maybe on the West Coast to these locations, it would have some spread and some word of mouth that would happen as a result. But I still feel that posting locations on social media is far more detrimental because you're just reaching a larger number of people. People are actually searching for the names of those locations. And when they find a photo with a description of how to get there, that is going to be what they use to get to a location. So anyways, the crux of the message for today is the fact that I'm no longer going to be sharing the locations of where my photos were taken when I post them on social media. And I want to try to encourage other people to do the same. Because even if you don't share the location of that particular photo and where it was taken, people will still be able to figure out where it was taken if they do their research. Allow people to do their own research. You're not being a jerk for not sharing the location. That's exactly how I was afraid I would be seen. I would just be seen as this, you know, secretive jerk that, you know, safeguards all of his locations. But what I'm actually doing is culling out the people that are too lazy to do the research, but still allowing the people that are willing to do research to go there because the people that really want to go there, they can find out how to get to that spot. You know, the average person with Google still can as well. But those people that are so lazy that they're unwilling to do that and they're just like, hey, where is this picture taken? Hey, where is this picture taken? <laughs> those people, they might not get to go. So if we cut out even 10% or 8% of the amount of traffic that some of these places get, it's going to help. Every little bit is going to help because the biggest obstacle that these beautiful places are facing right now is not weather, it's not climate change. In most cases, it's just people. It's people that love the place and they can't wait to go there. And then they go there and just trample it and destroy it. And someday someone's going to get hurt at that particular location probably. And then someone will build a fence. And then you'll have to stand back behind the fence to take a photo. Or you can be the rebel that goes to the old place to take a photo. It's a downward spiral when a place gets more popular. Things are never going to improve at that location because it was at its peak beauty before humans got involved. And then the more humans that go and visit that particular spot, the more ruined it's going to get. It's only going to get worse at these spots. And for that reason, Nick Page will no longer be sharing locations of where he takes his photos. So as I've mentioned, I just got done teaching my Wildflowers and Waterfalls workshop for this year. This workshop is one of the more scary ones to put on because I'm trying to time the blooming of the wildflowers. And this year was kind of an interesting year. So last year I did it on the exact same week and we were about a week early. You know, that's not too bad considering we still had plenty of nice, healthy, new wildflowers, but it wasn't really at its absolute peak. But last year also came late. You know, everybody was talking about how it was a late bloom and it was definitely later than the two years before. So this year I decided to keep it on the exact same weekend and we weren't really early and we weren't really late either. We had such a strange spring where it got warm and then it got cold and that warmth got some of the bl flowers blooming really early. And then they were faced with like two weeks of cold, wet weather. So they were kind of bloomed, but they never really all bloomed. They was kind of like they were all the flowers are confused. So what that left us with was the balsam root 
that was uh, maybe a little bit past its prime. It was kind of difficult to find a healthy clump, but a lot of it didn't bloom at all. And the lupin had just started blooming and it was quite a ways behind the balsam root. So they were completely not timed very well at all. It'll probably be a pretty decent year for lupin, but that's going to happen about two weeks late, uh, later than normal. So anyways, we were not greeted with the most impressive wildflower display this year. It was a very strange year. So that left me, the leader of this workshop, in a very interesting position because, you know, we still had sunrises and sunsets to shoot and we needed to make sure that, you know, Nick came up with decent locations. So we still shot wildflowers, probably two sunrises, two sunsets. It left me in this interesting position where I still have needed to come up with fruitful days of photography. So luckily, this is the Wildflowers and Waterfalls tour. And the waterfalls really saved us this year because we were able to photograph all of the major waterfalls that I wanted to photograph. Uh, the year previous, we were dealing with some closed roads and stuff. This year, we were able to get to all of the trailheads and everything. So the way that these these this particular workshop works is we get up early around 4.30 to 4.45. We head to our shooting location for sunrise. We shoot sunrise. We grab a quick bite to eat and then we go to the waterfall, hike into it and try to get it shot before the sun gets too high in, in the sky. And a lot of times it's not a big deal if you're dealing with overcast skies. But in this particular workshop, we were dealing with clear skies, which makes things very difficult again for Nick, the workshop leader, because I need to make sure that I'm getting us to these locations before the sun gets so high that it's creating harsh light. And so I, I need to be able to predict when that sun is going to be behind a ridge or behind a cliff. Luckily, several of these waterfalls are fairly protected from light from the sun because of ridges and cliffs and stuff. And so we were able to make it work. And then we would shoot that waterfall, we'll head back, we would get a quick nap, and then we'd go out and shoot sunset. We did have a couple post-processing sessions and one time where I walked through my whole workflow and answered questions and all of that stuff. And we kind of all just worked together for a couple hours. But because of the way that the light was, basically we were, we were dealing with some bluebird empty skies, not a cloud in the sky. And that is just not conducive, especially when you combine that with wildflowers that are not at their peak. Those can make for some pretty sad looking little photos. Like here's a... Here's a lonely, dried up flower with an empty sky sunset. I didn't want to do that to my workshop. So what we did was we slept through the last sunset and then we got up at one in the morning. We headed out and we and we photographed the night sky. I think we ended up shooting from like one till five or so once the sun started getting too close to the horizon and turned into blue hour. But I knew of three good structures that were really great for night photography one location was not in the right position to have the milky way going over it but it was still pretty cool and then the the other two we were able to get the milky way going over the structure and we did some light painting i put my loom cubes on my drone which i love doing and flew it around and, and we light painted from both the sky and uh, from the inside of these structures so overall, it ended up being a pretty cool workshop. We all went home with really great waterfall photos. I think the waterfall photos are kind of what stole the show for sure. They saved, they saved Nick's bacon in the event of a less than 
optimum premium wildflower bloom, which is always my fear. I'm always really afraid that that's what's going to happen. Sure enough, it did. But we also got some good skies for our our wildflowers as well. So we we got both. We also the one thing that I wasn't really planning on was you know, getting to go out and photograph the Milky Way. And for some people, they live around light pollution. And we were in a great area where we really weren't fighting it at all. So that was cool to be able to give that experience to the workshop participants as well. I'll tell you, though, after this particular workshop, Nick is feeling pretty out of shape. A couple of the hikes are serious elevation change, you know, and they're not a long hike. They're like three quarters of a mile to a mile. But you're gaining, you know, 900 feet in that three quarters of a mile. It's really steep. And Nick was a huffing, puffing mess. <laughs> I, I really need to, uh, I think I really need to get in shape. <laughs> but that's, that's for another show. So thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. And we'll see you in the next episode. I will try to get these out a little bit more frequently. I know this was a pretty large gap between episodes. I also realized that this was kind of a um, grumpy episode. You have to realize that there's not much more devastating to a photographer than going to their favorite locations and seeing it trashed. And I'm not talking about garbage. I'm just talking about destruction. It was just not the same. While we were there, there was like, parents with toddlers and dogs and like it was just it was a really bad experience for somebody that had been there many times and seen it at its best to see it at its worst like that really put it at the forefront of my mind and i wanted to pass it on and use what you know voice i have to further the cause of you know leave no trace behind and don't share your locations let people do their own research so thank you guys so much we'll see you in the next episode and take care, everybody. Bye-bye.